Welcome to Squawking Dead Children. Do you know what today's letter is? K. No. Try again. Okay, I'm going to pick W. No. Today's letter is R. As in, R, I smell a mutiny and I give you no quarter. <laughs> you know, I feel like it was just yesterday when Simon was filling Gregory's belly full of his love. Remember that Og couple? And now, someone who was once Negan's first mate, now be nothing more than a no-good scurvy dog. Aye, mateys, I realize me pirate speak be burdensome on ye by now. <laughs> Avast me hearties, before I make this accent walk the plank, and this captain lay its bones to Davy Jones's locker, I turn the rudder over to me first mate, the jolliest of Rogers, the most prized booty across the seven seas, Carol. Man, your intros just keep evolving, don't they? <laughs> they really do. <laughs> well, I am as enthusiastic as you. This episode delivered. I mean, we thought it was going to be action-packed, and it really, really was. There was not a moment that I felt that it was lagging. I felt like everything that happened was significant. There was no sort of like, eh, this is a little bit of filler. We're getting a little breather here. Nope. Every single moment was significant. Me heart was beating the entire time. The entire... It's going to be pirate speak this whole podcast. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I promise. <laughs> I just had to sneak one more in there. Oh, Side note, I remember listening to a podcast way back when, when uh, Ezekiel and the Kingdom was first introduced. And I mean, they could barely contain themselves from speaking in like medieval English, the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> When you got it, you got it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this episode, I mean, a lot happened. There's a lot to digest here. Yeah. There's a lot of little insights you can pluck and a lot of yeah. big reveals too. Yes. Significant. I mean, like you said, dissension and mutiny in the ranks. Yeah. And I mean, we saw this coming. We, we saw this coming with, with Simon. The day of reckoning for him is coming soon. Now that we know that Negan knows... You know, Simon's complete elimination of the garbage people, you know, and which kind of is a shame because I, I find his character and the, and the actor who plays as Stephen Ogg, I love it. He, he's so weaselly, but yeah, his, he's going to be killed off very soon. <laughs> it's happening very soon. Yeah. And the worst part about that is that when you're introduced to Simon, he's kind of like, okay, he's a savior. He's, but he's mm -hmm. kind of charming and amicable. Imagine Gavin, but with a personality. Right. And you're not really threatened by him. We're cracking wise about Gregory and Simon and their little banter back and forth. And it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of almost comic relief in a way, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's the lulling into complacency. And then all of a sudden, the writers spring up Simon's true nature. Right. Which was kind of swimming in the back of our heads when it came to Oceanside. I don't know if we thought really initially until a couple of episodes in that, oh, wow, maybe, right? Maybe this was him. And yeah. then really the more more the episodes progressed, yeah, it was him. Yeah, it starts becoming clearer and clearer. Simon is the one to be more fearful of because he's the loose cannon. I think when Negan was in the trailer with Gabriel and he's kind of going through his little confession and he's talking about, you know, this community was a mess. Of, you know, there was another guy that used to run it. And, and then I took over. You know, I, I wonder, was Simon part of that group way back when? Was Simon once in charge? And, you know, Negan kind of took over. Is, is there some sort of animosity there? Is there more history there? There might be. Who knows? Maybe Simon wasn't the arbiter of these people's fate, but he was definitely involved. Right. Or, or maybe a 
catalyst, let's say. I, I think that Simon is 100% responsible for the elimination of the Oceanside people. And I've said that from the beginning because the whole situation with how that went down, the way it was described and, you know, every boy over 10 killed, that just did not match Negan's MO at all. And then as time progressed, it was sort of like, well... Maybe it wasn't necessarily him. You see that Gavin's not one to do something like that. That's not his MO, but it certainly is Simon's. So I am more convinced than ever. Yeah, either way, it was it was somebody from the Saviors, right? Definitely right. think it was someone for the Saviors, but I don't think Negan, gave, Negan gave, ever gave the order for what happened at Oceanside to happen. I do not think that he gave that order, just like he didn't give this order for the garbage people. Well, do you think that the comics knowledge kind of affects your perception yeah, of Negan in that respect? Negan has not gone on a full-on mass mm-hmm. killing ever. If we want to go there, Rick and his team and his his people killed all those saviors in their sleep. I mean, they killed a lot of saviors before Negan even did anything. And even then when he did, he made an example of Glenn and Abraham and that was it. So there has never been a sort of like, you killed all of these people. I'm going to come and I'm going to like kill all of these people. I'm going to wipe you out. Like that's never been his sort of MO. He kind of keeps the bigger picture in mind of like, you're going to work for me now. And the more bodies that are working for him, the better. And I think the thing on the ocean side is that they said like every boy over 10. And to me, I was like, Negan has consistently treated kids in a very favorable light. You see how he's been with Carl and Carl shot some of his men. (laughs) Carl jumped in in the back of a truck to like try to get into sanctuary and killed a couple of his men. And he still didn't do anything, you know, about that. I mean, shoot, he took him under his wing took him around, brought him back home, made him spaghetti. He really didn't do a thing. Judith, same thing. Immediate soft spot when he saw that little girl. Right. You figured this out way before this yeah. re- the resource speech with Gabriel, like the initial reveal of that, that philosophy. It just seems to me that like his MO is to have people working for him. And it's all about rules. And if you follow the rules, then you're good. If you don't follow the rules, then that's when you, you know, you will be punished. But it has to be something pretty significant for you to be killed. Even the situation with Sasha, when Rapey David tried to rape her and he immediately shut that down and, you know, made it very clear to her, you know, we are not monsters. And I think he even says that to her specifically, we are not monsters here. Whether it makes sense or not, I think that he does have a set of standards and rules that he abides to and expects everyone in in the sanctuary to abide to. And if you don't, there are consequences. So I think that him and Simon have very different views on things, whereas Simon thinks, you know, anything goes, Negan doesn't necessarily feel that's the case. Right. Simon's like indoctrinating war. Well, Negan's thing is really directly thinking of after. War is like child's play, but getting people on board and being useful, that's like post-apocalyptic. We need people. And as long as we need people, I'm going to be the one in charge to hold these people together. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that that is the case. Absolutely. Yeah. Just to be fair, I hadn't really caught on to that as much. Like, why doesn't he kill a significant portion of these survivors? Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't really until the Gabriel slash Eugene speeches about using people, about needing Mm -hmm. people as resources that I, that it really clicked into place. I'm like, okay, I actually completely get this Mm -hmm. guy now. He's a lot more interesting to me now that I know what he's about. Yeah. And I think that's what I say when it comes down to it. I, I like this episode just because 
To me, Simon and Negan are two of the most interesting characters. I, I do think that last season, you know, it, it was it definitely dragged things out further than necessary because a lot of people have complained about, you know, this whole savior arc just kind of dragging on, you know, very long. I mean, things have certainly picked up this season, but I know a lot of people kind of complain. And I think last season didn't help with a lot of these kind of singular focus episodes where it's like, this is a Taryn Heath episode, and this is going to be a Daryl episode. And it's sort of like, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it turned what would have been like one season into like two, right. two plus seasons. With the governor... I feel like we got a lot in there, but I don't think they necessarily dragged it out as long as the savior arc. Because even with the governor, we got some backstory, we got some depth to him, we got really into it. And I don't think that they dragged it out for as long as they have with the savior's arc. And I get it because in the comic book, this is a major arc. So I understand that they don't want to just kind of gloss over it. So they want to kind of get into it. I just think that maybe it could have been done in a way so that it doesn't feel necessarily as dragged out. Not so much with this season. I think it was more last season. Because I do feel that Negan and Simon specifically are just really awesome characters. I think their relationship is interesting. I know that Simon's going to be killed off soon. It has to happen. There's no way Simon is surviving. <laughs> like after he's done. Well, you don't think the next episode, right? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the next episode. I think he's going to stick around. I don't think it'll while. be the next episode. Yeah. Next episode is what? Episode 13. What is it? 16 yep. episodes. So I'm going to yeah. say he's still around next episode, then episode 14. I'm going to say episode 15. He'll get his reckoning. I'm going to play the odds here and go 14. 14? Okay. <laughs> because I think there's going to be some ramifications uh, before and after that mm-hmm. happens. Mm-hmm. I bet Simon's death is just not, it's not right. enough. That there's a ball that's rolling right mm-hmm. now that needs to stop well after, not well after, but you know, soon after There's, a, there's a lot of things in play. No, it's true. It, it could yeah. be either one because you you are right. There's a lot of ramifications to his death. We have to kind of be able to, before he dies, have that, that formal connection made that Simon was responsible for the death of the scavengers, which we know. And Oceanside maybe even because at some point we're going to see them. They may even join in. Yeah, I don't know. They may be the ones to kind of identify and kind of say like, oh, that's not Negan. This is Negan. I mean, they all call themselves Negan. <laughs> That's right. That's also they a good point. They all call themselves Negan. So it's like, for all they know, yeah, Negan, you know, killed us. I mean, he does this stuff in Negan's name, really. Like right. even, the, even the whole right. order of like going to the hilltop now and like killing them all. It's like, oh, for Negan, that was not his plan whatsoever. I don't know who's going to be the one to take down Simon. I don't think it's going to be Rick and his people. I think in poetic justice, it has to be either Jadis, somebody from the ocean side. I think Negan will not come to his assistance. Yeah, or maybe he won't be able to, and then it's just as well, you know, and then everybody knows about Mm -hmm. Simon, and it could just come out in the wash. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, pretty much. So I I thought this episode had a lot of info, more than I thought. I I mean, I figured this is going to be an action-packed episode, but I didn't expect some of the depth. I don't think we either of us thought that Simon would take the reins so quickly. I, I did not necessarily see that coming. I mean, I, I knew that he was, that that's what he wanted. You got like a definitely like a whiff of that, but I did not see that happening in this particular episode. So I was very much surprised. I was like, wow, for all intents and purposes, like if Negan had been like wounded or whatever, I mean, they basically were kind of like, you know, forget him. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, like, screw him. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's Negan it. finding out about 
the scavengers which is apparently that was a great moment. W- what the group is called mm-hmm. uh, by the way yes uh, yes it's official the scavengers yeah you have carl's death you have the scavengers and then you link the scavengers to what happened in oceanside and, and negan starts to fi- uh, see a pattern you know first of all to have your most trusted lieutenant your first mate mm-hmm. basically make the same mistake twice and never get i for all i know never get punished for it mm-hmm. it's kind of like what i was saying last week his sins are your sins mm-hmm. when you're that kind of a buffer between you and everybody else to punish your your first mate would be like basically punishing yourself mm-hmm. you're kind of responsible for what he does at that point yeah it's management and i think that simon has got away with a lot yes and now it's kind of like a reckoning and so to not admit to it to not admit shame in it to not really denounce it is kind of accepting of it and he's accepted of it for a long time so you have that but then you also have carl's death the toll on negan is visibly starting to pile up Mm -hmm. you know he's starting to see something Mm -hmm. he makes the deal with rick that little 75 you know with 25 percent off deal there were so many good lines on this Right. But you know, I take I took it very seriously as to as to kind of say, why does he even make that deal with Rick when he's trapped? I I do think that Negan wants this war to be over. I think just kind of like how Daryl was talking to Rick and was saying like he just wanted to get it done. I think that Negan doesn't want to take on any more losses. Negan isn't coming at this from an emotional place. Rick is coming at this from an emotional place, which is why maybe some of the decisions Rick makes aren't necessarily like the most logical ones. He just has tunnel vision right now. Whereas Negan's like, what the hell is your problem? I think at one point he even says, you're going to get us both killed. Whereas Rick doesn't even care if he dies as long as he gets him. But Negan is still looking out for self-preservation. We got to get out of this thing alive, plain and simple. I mean, I think in general, he looks at things in the bigger picture. I need to maintain. I need to make sure that I'm still at the top of the food chain and, and my people are taken care of and that everyone's good. I don't think that he hates Rick. I think he finds Rick as an annoyance that has affected the sanctuary and his life, but he hasn't acted in any sort of wrathful way towards Rick. It's always some it's it's always from a place of like frustrated annoyance that he doesn't get with the program. Right, right. But I feel like this deal, and the reason why I bring it up is because it, it kind of really displays how Negan is teetering between basically ceding some ground. Yes. And and which is contrary to his character. He always comes from a place of dominance. Like no matter what you do, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find a way to topple you down. If you resist, I'm gonna topple you down harder. You know, mm-hmm. the consequences are gonna be greater. But in this case, he's kind of like ceding that confidence. He's ceding that place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's teetering on the other side, which is incompetence. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, Rick says it best in that scene. He says, "You can't save." us you can't save save me me, yeah for all of negan's altruism in his own mind about saving people and and having people around as resources and there's a value to that but it's it's like come on man not everybody is going to want to get with the program and there are some people like rick's crew that are not going to want to get along with that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like either way you look at negan in the scene and maybe it's because he doesn't have lucille Mm -hmm. i don't know that could very well be the seat of his power 
or whatever, or, you know, his, his totem for confidence. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's all this time for all we know, but mm-hmm. he's been just pretty lucky so far in keeping, you know, Alexandria and crew down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's this level of borderline incompetence when you keep thinking and you keep falling into this habit of trying to save somebody mm-hmm. and it's really not working. As much as I think he wants to bring these people on board to finally put things down and thinking that, you know, all his lieutenants are going to fall in line, he see, he is starting to see that as long as this war is going on, his center is crumbling. Mm-hmm. The the top heavy lieutenants that keep, you know, that help him keep everything together, they're starting to fall away. Like Gavin, like mm-hmm. noticing that Simon, you know, genocided the scavengers. His shaky confidence in Eugene because he's kind of putting him down in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas ever since Eugene was on board, he was kind of smelling his farts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you notice that also? Yeah. He was complimenting him, shaking his hand, kind of giving him confidence. Yeah, last absolutely. episode, he, he was putting him down. He was saying, your, your ideas are shit, but maybe I could use something mm-hmm. from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was very confused by that. That too. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And the thing is that these are complex characters. Negan is a very complex character. I think Simon is as well, but less so. I've, I've said it before. Negan's not a good guy, but he's not a bad guy either. And I think that's what makes it so difficult. He's a tough nut to crack. That's why like when it's a Negan episode, it's a Simon episode, I'm all in because I think that it makes for very interesting plot developments, which is what happened here. Right. And you know what? That's a very good segue to taking it back to the beginning of the episode, because if The Walking Dead centered around the saviors, we would probably be rooting for him. The reason why I bring that up is that the visuals right, right. in the beginning of the episode mm-hmm. mirror that of episode two, mm-hmm. The Damned. Yes. In that episode, you see the Alexandria crew, yes. you know, the, the Auk crew, basically, right. with these weird with these weird Montage. cinematic sh- close-up yes. shots. Yeah. And they did that here only with the savior yes. crew, with Negan, with Simon, and white and it really kind of showed us the human drama maybe the the push and pull between these two people who in the end of the day they want the same things they just go about it in different ways right i and and i've seen it too a lot of the comparisons the only thing i will say is that i can't completely get on board with the whole you know if it was centered around the saviors you could think that negan was a good guy or whatever well negan did have concubines so that's the only thing Another thing that was pointed out, but you're right. Yeah. But you know what I mean? But like, I, but I do understand where people are coming from because I think that he and Rick are both leaders of their own respective communities and they both look after the good of their people in their own ways. And as far as their constituents are concerned, they feel that they are being tended to. I mean, we saw that with Negan when he came back from the trailer, they were grateful that he was back. Also, even in this episode, his troops, when he gets T-boned by Rick's car and Simon meets with the guy, with the people, they're very much concerned. Like, where is Negan? What is going on? Like, I mean, they very clearly follow him to AT and look to him for guidance. So they're like codependent. Yes. Really? Yes, very much so. So I think that these two men have proven that they can lead and take care of their people. So their their citizens do listen to them and do take what they say seriously. And, and neither man is necessarily perfect. Rick has made a lot of decisions that are pretty questionable, for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it's just interesting because they both have very different ways of governing, I guess. 
you know, Rick is a, a democracy, whereas Negan is a authoritarian, authoritarian state, <laughs> like a dictator. Yeah. yeah, that's actually pretty important because when you see Rick come back to the hilltop, it's not all of them crowding him, mm. saying "Welcome home, I am Rick," right? <laughs> you know, that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, he comes home. It's quiet. People are doing their thing. Right. Yeah, people look his way. That's nice. It's great to see that Rick is back with Michonne. Mm -hmm. But there's a distributed power system right. you know all the key players at the hilltop they have a voice mm -hmm. and they have their own they bring their own intelligence to the table they don't have to answer necessarily to one authority right exactly yep exactly. They, they're, they're beholden to themselves because it's kind of like rick says you don't care you know and these people they care they care about one another right you know whereas the saviors need to only care about negan's needs right that's it yeah and and if that means yes yeah, some of the lieutenants that's still negan's needs mm -hmm. you know I, I want you to respect my lieutenants because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they're going to keep you safe right you know, that sort of thing right. so there's clear like visual representations of how negan's crew receives negan versus the Alexandrian, the Auk crew, is receives Rick. Mm -hmm. It's just totally different. Yep. Like a demagogue versus just a regular dude yeah. who happens to have some sort of respect. Yeah, exactly. It's very interesting. I mean, there were a lot of complaints, I will say, this episode about the action sequences. Oh, really? Okay. Stormtrooper type. Oh, this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After seeing that the episode about uh, three times, first of all, he was a moving target. Yes. Rick was advancing to meet that moving target, and he wasn't really firing an accuracy weapon. He was really kind of firing like an AK, I think it was, yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like a not even like a modern AK. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like okay, slow your roll. He was kind of hitting the targets, but yeah, you know, Negan just wasn't. You know, he was behind a panel. He wasn't quite at that mark. I think the only thing was maybe the 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 Magnum. I think he has a Magnum. Yeah, something, or something like, like that, that. Yeah, and even then, like a handgun isn't all that accurate, even though it can blow a hole through the side of a building. Yeah, I think a lot of people were just kind of like, "Come on, you're the you're a sheriff." <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. Wait, what's it with cops like Tara and Rick? That's they just can't right. hack it. Yeah, it just, just can't. Just, it's, you know, it's a little bit of suspension of belief. It's what it is. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. I, I let it, it pass. I'm like, yeah, it is what it is. Real life, not everybody is, does great at target practice. If you ever look at a cop, you know, I'd say half of them. I'm being generous. Mm -hmm. Not all not in the best uh, shape. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say that out loud. Just, uh, yeah, I'm gonna it's not, it a, it's not a, not trying to be mean. It's just a criticism. It's just an observation, observation, not even a criticism. There you go. I'll leave it right there. Yeah. I don't judge. No judgment. <laughs> Judgment-free zone. <laughs> completely judgment-free. So I suspend belief that he looks that good for the apocalypse. Actually, I was chatting with some people, I don't know, just random Walking Dead thread in Facebook, uh -huh. and they were they were complaining about different things, and then I made the observation, like, where, who is, is there a dentist in each of these places? Because these people have immaculate teeth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, again, the suspension of belief, you know. Because, <laughs> right. Well, because it's, because I, when I was watching it, and I was watching it with my husband, you know, with Eddie, because there is a, a heartfelt scene with Daryl in the beginning. I was very happy right. Daryl had lines. <laughs> Daryl finally has some dialogue. He yeah. has some dialogue. For the love of God, give the man some dialogue. And by the way, side note, I was on something. I don't know if it was like Pinterest or something like that. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about drugs or something, but go no, on. No, no, no. I was on drugs. <laughs> I was on Pinterest. <laughs> very thing. different. Whatever. Well, it can't. It's very, I mean. It's very addictive. Very addictive. <laughs> 
I was going to say. So yeah. I was going through some different memes because why not? <laughs> but there was something and it had basically Daryl's monologue that he gave to Carol in season two after Sophia got put down when she came out of the barn and Rick had to basically, uh, you know, shoot her, you know, with the Cherokee rose and all of that. And I thought to myself, Jesus, Daryl hasn't had this much lines in I can't even remember when. A full out, very, very compelling and nice monologue, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, crazy. I agree. And so when he had like a moment with Rick, I was like, finally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great. Give him something, you know. But it was a nice contrast also between the right hand men, I should say. You know, Rick's oh, right hand man. That's a really good was, point. Is kind of owning up to, you know, his responsibility with what happened at the sanctuary, you know, crashing the truck in there. But he follows through because ultimately they both have the same ideal in mind. Maybe they're not always on the same page necessarily. Obviously, we saw that the two men had their differences on how to go about this. I mean, they even came to blows at, at a certain point. But it's, it's almost like family. You, you kind of like disagree, but ultimately, like there is that mutual respect and honestly love for each other that, you know, you, you patch it up and, and you keep your mind focused on the bigger picture because you both have the same end goal in mind. Yeah. And that, that's a really good point, bringing up the two top men at each camp, because mm -hmm. you see, it's kind of like what we were saying before, Simon's got away with a couple of really big things that Negan may have never addressed, whereas immediately, well, maybe not immediately, immediately, but, but like as in an hour or two. Right, exactly. Yeah, as soon as he confronted Daryl and just right away, there's like a, a, a physical altercation and not a physical altercation like you're the enemy now, you got to die, you got to go, but more like we need to we need to hash this out because I care about you that much and you're caring about getting it done, ruin the plan. Mm -hmm. So it's this confrontation that they have that Negan and Simon never had and because they never had it, it's escalated well, to this point. Well, I also think that Daryl's not trying to be deceptive either. He's kind of like, look, this is what I did. This is why I did it. Oh, yeah. And Rick is, you know, yeah, I understand, you know, blah, blah. They regroup and they both, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're doing. Okay. And you okay? They bury Rick's hatchet. They bury Rick's hatchet, literally. <laughs> there you go. But it is. It's, that's the case. By the way, the actual... I guess kind of frivolous reason that I brought that brought up Daryl on your comment of like these people's teeth. Eddie loves to mention like Daryl looking always dirty all the time. And I'm like, well, it's the apocalypse. Filthy. Like it is the apocalypse. So he's going to he's going to look filthy. That's just how it goes. That's that's Daryl. That's Daryl. Shrug. Shrug. Exactly. Like literally I'm shrugging right Looks now. Looks at camera. Yeah. That is how he is. It is what it is. It's funny that you bring deception though, because uh, it's it's like I was saying though, Daryl didn't try to deceive Rick. No. He told him straight out. Whereas, you know what? If Negan would have tamped down Simon or at least had some sort of words the first time he saw something wrong. Right. And then when he genocided half of Oceanside, let's say, mm -hmm. and then punished him in a way, maybe we wouldn't have gotten to quite this point where Simon's trying to usurp power. Mm -hmm. And I think it brings about the very questions that people do bring up about what if this was taken from the point of view of the saviors and this kind of answers that. And we get answers like that throughout this, this season of, you know, what would it be like if it was from the perspective of the saviors? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is definitely one of those answers. You know what? We're pointing out a lot more 
of the differences between the two, like the actual juxtapositions between, you know, the two top men, the two head guys or not head guys in the case of Rick and, you know, the type of leadership skills and, and communities and mm-hmm. democracies, let's say, or forms of government. Yeah. But yeah, this is quite the episode in that. Yeah. I think it was very interesting to see that contrast. Rick's approach, Megan's approach, Dwight's mindset, Daryl's mindset. There's, there's a big difference between the two and how they view their leader and how they basically view themselves. Simon feels that he's better equipped to lead than Negan is. He he even tried spinning that on Dwight. Like, you know, if it was my call, this is what I would do. I mean, he he definitely has been undermining Negan for some time. He, he falls in line because he has no other choice, but he definitely has been waiting for an opportunity to come up. When he saw Rick's car coming down that alleyway and realizing that Negan was hit, there was a smirk on Simon's face. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like Stephen Ogg, he's just an awesome actor because that's good, subtle acting by him. There is a smirk of contentment that, hey, this guy might have like just done me a favor and done this for me. Right. And that's that's the key here. The the past few times that Simon visited the hilltop when Gregory was in charge, he could have been Negan, but he, I don't know if it was that he was too lazy or he was comfortable in his position to where he could actually be an enforcer and not be held too accountable. Yeah. Like he had he had a long leash, which is exactly what Negan said. Right. Yeah, you know, Simon's got a long leash. I I just I just wonder and I I don't think it's going to happen at this point, obviously. But I, I really had hoped that we were going to get a little bit of more. And maybe we, maybe we still will in just some dialogue or something. Just a little bit of backstory because I would love to understand how to a guy, Simon. Well, how a guy, well Negan, and and maybe in connection with that Simon, like how does a guy like Negan get to where he was? How did he get there? How is Simon yeah. not the guy? Because Simon's far more ruthless than Negan. I don't know if it's even ruthless. I think the right word is, I think he has some sort of uh, sociopathy. Yes, yes, he does. Psychopathy is kind of like just no no barriers between what he thinks is right and wrong. Mm He just does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all id. Whereas like sociopathy, it just kind of like gets you when you least expect it. It just, he'll creep in. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like this real weird mental illness Mm -hmm. in a way, because Mm -hmm. I don't think he's looking for for the power. I think if it falls in his lap, he'll take it. It's Mm -hmm. kind of been his M.O. Mm-hmm. He was he's happy as a clam working under Negan because he's got this long ass leash, mm-hmm. never gets punished. Mm-hmm. And his growing frustrations for how things are handled. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's because of a power grab. I think for some reason, he's like personally invested in his survival. And when he thinks his survival is threatened, when his bubble's getting popped by Negan's leadership skills, mm-hmm. then he takes it upon himself to let the let the pieces fall where they may. And as soon as a wide opening is left for me to f- walk through, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And I'll manipulate the situation. I'll be confident about it because nobody will suspect me. I mean, I'll say it. He's kind of like a coward in that respect. He... He yeah. really, really is very underhanded, but I don't think it's because of a power grab. I think he wants to control the situation, mm-hmm. you know, control his survival. And in a way, I could say that's kind of impressive because as opposed to some people like, let's say, Gavin, who just get with the program no matter what. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. On another note, there was a lot of comic relief in this episode that made me laugh. And I was happy because I think the show in general, obviously, can be very dark and heavy. So... I think there were a lot of moments of levity in this episode. I'm failing to recall them right now. I, I can <laughs> I can tell you right now. It was all dialogue. Oh, okay. But okay. Um, 
when Dwight and uh, Simon were in the van driving and Simon's <laughs> like, let's get candid. Let's get weird. Like, let's he's get weird. So he's such a weird, creepy dude. It's funny, but he's just so weird. Nothing but you, just, but you, just, me, and the chicken. Yeah, exactly. my my balls are flapping in the yeah, wind. Yeah, my nuts just like just naked as a jailbird. You know, like a jaybird. Yeah, I, I found it comical. So the the scene when Rick and Negan are in the like the basement. Yeah, and Negan lets himself go and falls through the the floor, and Rick is like, "Are you alive?" And Negan says, "I'm a goddamn cat." Mm. <laughs> I thought. You know, I thought it was funny. What you're saying is this episode needed a laugh track. I think that there were moments of levity, which I appreciated. We should stitch together that, by the way. Maybe I'll work on that. Well, I saw somebody on Twitter that was saying that they wanted 18 t-shirts made saying, I'm a goddamn cat, no context whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like no like picture of Lucille or no, Negan no context smile. No, no no context <laughs> but I thought that was I I, I I did find that funny and then when Georgie shows up yeah. with her uh, what is it I think it's Midge and Hilda I think it was yeah, the names of the right. two the two ladies and yeah. she was talking about like sound funny sounding words, and one of them was like, "Yeah, like moisture." She's like, "What?" She like, looks them like, yeah. "What the hell is wrong with you?" Visually disturbed by that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was very. So we haven't even gotten to them yet, actually. Let's just keep going with the stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. So, what was your thought then when Maggie looked through the binoculars and she saw? <sighs> the the well what she saw in the distance what did you think yeah i mean i thought the same thing as you did i and i, I wrote this to you because i was really, really excited I, I think, like, yeah new contender. a new challenger has entered the arena yeah. so i'm like yeah we're getting new people yeah well here was the thing like when they had the then they showed that through the binoculars i really wasn't sure what that was i was like is that a trap is that like a bomb is that like what like i, I mean could, it looked like a gift it, it did that not look like a party balloon in the back i could not make it out i was just like i don't know what this is at all and then the note and the coordinates and everything was just it, it definitely wasn't saved or alike so i was like i just don't know what that is but then i was like is this some kind of random like sadiq kind of person and then they get there and we see the two women, Midge and um, Hilda. I love those names, by the way. I don't think it was you, but somebody has said it when like Georgie says like, oh, you know, cheese for Hilda, pickles for pickles. Midge. I was like, <laughs> I don't know who, what, who was it who said that that's a perfect name for a band, pickles for Midge. And I was like, <laughs> yes, pickles for Midge. That sounds like a band. Definitely sounds like a band. But you know, when you when you meet these three characters, they look like Looney Tunes characters. You have the big boss in the middle and the two dopes in the back. But you know, the, funny, and, and get- the funny thing is that the big boss character is an awkward, kind of awkward. Like she's not like Marshall. Looking. She's not Marshall. Like we're used to seeing leaders who are badass, basically. Actually, I mean, she comes off pretty confident. She does come off as confident. You know? I guess it's just... Like it takes you off your guard to see somebody who is polished, clean, clean, <laughs> you know, very much well educated and just in the way she's like talking and and poised. They're not poised. slouched over, ready to shoot. Yeah, poised, not ready to attack. Right. Non-threatening. Maybe that's the word you're looking for. Perhaps. What did you think of her request about the records? So I didn't really think much of the request, 
But I'm going to jump to the end of this because I think we all know what ends up happening. And right. They, they agree to her request. And then there is a payoff. And it's the, you know, having all this knowledge on how to rebuild. I did like that that line that she said, like, a, what was it? She said, like, a guide. A, a the gu- key to the future. But it was like right? a guide from our past oh. to build our future. Some, something like that. And I thought that, that, yeah, was, really, yeah. I thought that was really good. That's, that's right. I'm not saying that I don't think this is a good thing. But I do think this is a perfect opportunity to kind of lull various groups that are probably working with her into a sense of community and everything. But what I tend to see is that I think this is really a ploy to get her to assume some sort of power maybe over the country let's say i'm just throwing it out there let's assume that she's in touch with people far away building communities building like a center of power and i i don't know where it will go but i do think that she's just not doing this just to be altruistic i do think there's a a bigger plan at work and i don't know if that's out of self-interest i don't know if she's working with somebody else like somebody up higher but i know you know more well i don't not necessarily because i I I have like my own idea, but I don't know for a fact if this is the case or not because because of the comics. Let's just be real. Because, here. Well, I have, like I know certain things from the comics, but in a timeline perspective, what the group that I'm thinking of doesn't come into play for many years later. They they are not around during this time when this whole thing is going on with the saviors. But what they could be doing on the show is just sort of introducing them, just kind of just kind of putting out some little morsels out there to say like, look, this, this is on the horizon We're we're not going to necessarily get fully into it now, but it's, it's there because a lot of the complaints that I've heard from people who are fans or were fans or kind of are like, like purists, on the fence, you mean? not even purists, because I always go back to Eddie as an example, because he's like the biggest <laughs> critic. And so I, I listen to his criticism because I'm like, you are the voice of someone who is disgruntled. So I want to hear <laughs> where just being real. here. I, I want to hear where you're coming from, because I'm a diehard, you know, comic fan i watch it you know but the but it's good to know the criticism too because i think that we've gotten into a pattern of the same sort of trope here's a bad guy we need to beat them and then we're good and it's been this way since the governor then we had the terminus people that we had to defeat, or maybe even if you want to go even before that the claimers so you got like Mm -hmm. governor the claimers, the terminus people. After that, they eventually got to Alexandria. I, I think that the wolves kind of came in there. Mm-hmm. They had to like beat them. But the bigger arcs were of people who lulled you and maybe Im- immediately revealed their intentions, or at least they Im- immediately revealed their intentions to us, unbeknownst to our heroes, let's say. To me, what's interesting about this group, if it does turn out to be connected to what I'm thinking of in the comic, is that it is a force that's a lot more complex that it just isn't as simple as like, we need to beat them. It's right, exactly. And that, that's basically, that's all I'm saying. Is and that, that I find a lot it's more complicated. It's much more complicated, but I find that a lot more interesting because I think it's easy. Like, it's how you were saying. It's very easy to kind of say like, we need to do this, but it's what comes after that's the complicated thing. And right. what I like about this group in the comics is that they kind of come into play when everything is sort of calm and it has far more to do with how do we necessarily govern as a whole, as a country, with the idea that maybe there are several different communities. Let's say Alexandria rebuilds. The, the war with the saviors is over. 
they follow her plans, they rebuild, and in how many years' time, there's aqueducts, there's some infrastructure. Right, mills. Mills. Let's say that there are different various communities. It's like, how does the country kind of come back from like an outbreak like this under an overall kind of guidance from the government that still, unbeknownst to them, survived? Right. Because let's be honest here, if shit hits the fan tomorrow, in the D.C., Virginia area, I am sure that there is the mother of all bunkers. Like, just kind of, like, that's going to house 50,000 government employees, militaries, whatever. They're good. I'm sure that they're good. They probably survived. And when I saw Georgie, and Georgie does not look like who I'm thinking her counterpart is in the comic. But the reason I immediately thought, okay, this is that group, is they very much made her, in my opinion, they gave her like a Hillary Clinton kind of motif look going on. I know. So immediately when she walked out, I was like, this is the government. Like, immediately. Yeah, exactly. Immediately, as soon as she walked out, I was like, this is what it is. And, and this is what government does. And this is what government does, <laughs> you know? So Georgie's fine. And, and the thing that I thought was really interesting, and I was, you know, mentioned this to Eddie, I was like, mentioning the records, because there were a couple of things that she said when she was talking to Maggie that really made you realize how more comfortable they are, how well off they are. First of all, right. looking for records. These right. people are In just looking for world. food, <laughs> you know? Right. And I saw something on Twitter that had me dying. And I, these people are like, you know, looking for food. And these people are like, you got any Madonna LPs, maybe some Rick James, like, you know, they, there's these. Yeah, we can't just keep playing the same we can't keep playing records the same over and over all again. The time. That's the level we're, we're making ourselves crazy here. That's a luxury. They're at the point that they can have luxuries, you know. So it's they're like trying to fix their first world problems, right? They, they've got for <laughs> this is very much a hashtag first world problems right. kind of thing. When Maggie brings them back to the hilltop and she mentions, Look, you can have a sizable portion of our food because you guys obviously needed a lot more than we do. They're good, and she can tell that obviously there is far more of a need here. Right. And that, that was probably the plan all along, by the way, if they've been watching them as long as they have. Yeah, they, they probably knew that. And then the other aspect that she mentioned was when she was uh, giving her the set of plans. The key to the future. The key to the future. <laughs> and she started kind of explaining how it was all in her head and something about making coffees since they had the coffee shop or something. I was like, you guys have a coffee shop. That is the level of luxury that these people have that obviously is out of the realm of possibility for Rick and, and, and Team Grimes and, and anybody else living out here. Interesting. So you think this is a post, those post-Walker apocalypse like a coffee shop that they have access to. I, okay. I, I, like I said, they're in the mother of all bunkers. They've got coffee shops. They've got like, I, they, they've got, they've got hotels. They've got, like, they've, got they've got room service. Room they got service, towels. They've got towels, you know, they've got hot water. Like they've got, well, and even just looking at them, I'm like, you guys are good. This woman is wearing a seersucker suit. She's fine. <laughs> She's like a, a white linen, white blouse, suit. you know, She's wearing the perfect clothes for the for this kind of heat too, by the way. I just very I noticed that so. right off the bat. Yeah, <laughs> very much. Very fresh as a daisy. Fresh <laughs> as a daisy. Uh, so I I hope she acts like like Hillary Hillary Clinton as well. I, I'm just like I know. <laughs> I immediately got that vibe from her as soon as oh, she got out of the truck. I was just like, Oh, this is the government. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> I had always thought that the ham radio that we saw in the episode with Gabriel and um Dr. Carson 
would be the connection to this government. These people? This gov- yes. I thought uh-huh. that Eugene would eventually, like at some point in the future, tinker around with that ham radio and contact would be made, which might still happen, but clearly they've already kind of been watching them. Maybe with a helicopter, perhaps? That makes more sense to me now. It makes a lot more sense based on this big black van that they were in, that they would have access to a black helicopter. Like, I I think so, you know, especially if they were scoping out the area, which is why she says that she'll be back. She may be right. done now. Which kind of goes to your theory about how what you were saying in the last few episodes was, you know, or last episode where they are going to jump in time and maybe that time jump will coincide with their finally, like, let's say four or five years right. later, like a second visit. Right, exactly. That very well could happen. That end scene with Jadis. Yeah, the end scene with Negan, right. And Jadis. Where she captures Negan yes. right after getting away from Rick. Yes. Poor, I, poor Negan, by the way. I need to understand how that happened. Like, I, I need oh. to understand, like, how, how did this happen? How did she capture him? Maybe they'll reveal that. I, I hope so. I hope we get a chance to see, like, in the beginning, like, how, what happened when he went out the window of the building? Because then Rick follows after him and he's gone. Does he come out the window and Jadis immediately knocks him out, drags him into a car? I don't know. That's, well, I mean, that's a logical conclusion, right? Right. Because so. he was sort of passed out in her car in and out of consciousness until he comes to. I was watching that scene and I thought to myself you know she's sitting there and she has like a gun to his head and is driving I wonder if Jadis is all she says that she is or if there's more to her that we don't know there was something about her in that car that made me feel like but she's done this before like an undercover agent or something yeah you know that's I hear you that you know like something that that was undercover we know that they have a helipad in that area and Simon had been asking her what was this before and she didn't necessarily kind of offer any information she didn't offer any information on that. What, what was her life beforehand, basically? Yeah, I just wonder. But- and because I, I do firmly feel like the helicopter is government related. But I just wonder, is Jadis related to the government? And maybe I'll take that a little further. I'll take it and run like a football. Okay. It's Jadis may be one of the plants from... Yes, Uh, Georgie's government, let's say, or the government of which Georgie is a part of. Right, right. (laughs) I'm not saying she's top dog. I'm not. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know how accurate that is. And that could be like just reading too much into it. But there was just some vibe that I got when I saw that scene. There was an authoritative stance from Jadis that just kind of felt more like almost like a cop or a double agent or some. I don't know. There was just some kind of vibe that I got. The other reason why I'm sort of like, there's got to be more to it is I know that they've already kind of released AMC's little synopsis for the upcoming episode. So it's, you know, like the, oh, right, you yeah. know, like the general description. When you, when you look at the on-demand list of the right. remaining episodes. Exactly. Like visitors. <laughs> or arrive. IMDb, yeah. Right. Visitors arrive, un- unwelcome visitors arrive at the, you know, like that kind of stuff. And I think for episode 14, not next week's, but the following, it's like a prisoner at the heaps, at, at the heaps makes a shocking discovery the only hmm. prisoner that could be is Negan. Yeah, a, a prisoner, right. 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 So I'm That's like, funny. what does he discover? Is she going to bring him back there and we find out like what this place was before and there's more to it? I'll tell you what it is. Okay. Aliens. <laughs> that answers yeah. everything. Everything. That's it. Bam. Oh, Mic drop. Boy. Aliens. What End of story. End of story. End of The Walking Dead. That's it. Walking Dead. Suspension over. of disbelief busted. Aliens. That's it. That's what it was all about. And that's when we stop watching. That's how Kirkman ends it. <laughs> right. God, I kept waiting for you guys to, to stop watching the show. I'm just going to end this for you. I'm just going to end it right here. It was all aliens. It's done. 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, from this, we're, we can extrapolate that he's going to be her prisoner until oh, at least right. the 14th episode. Yeah, exactly. If not longer, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he takes the helicopter from the government. I don't know. I don't know. Which is why I said, I don't think it's going to happen next episode. It may be 14, but... Yeah, no, it's true. It could be 14, 15. It depends. For some reason, I feel like he has to be at least aware or around of that fact that Simon is gone. Yeah. I'm not saying it should be that way or that it will be that way, but I feel like it should be because I feel like there needs to be some sort of connective bridge so that Negan and and Rick can meet in the middle and then walk across the other Mm -hmm, side. mm -hmm. I feel like it has to be that way. If it's not... And they're not going to follow, let's say, the comics or follow Carl's fantasy just to be mm-hmm. w- to work with what we know from the show. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But if it is, then I think there's got to be some sort of connective tissue. It's got to yeah. be in a way that makes it okay for everybody after all the tears and all the hardships, right? Yeah. And speaking of that, when Daryl is confronting Rick right after he arrives, do you remember the, the grave he was kneeling by? There were like multiple graves there. There were like right. there were like three. Right? Probably probably Sasha, Abraham, and Glenn. Right. But I think he was at Glenn's grave. Mm, mm-hmm. The only reason why I, I mentioned that to kind of connect these two together was, was, you know, after all of that, after what he did, it's really hard to think about how it would be possible to have Negan in their lives in a capacity of some kind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, rather than take him out. Right, right. I mean, we can't It's, it's kind of a reminder. It's you know? always going to be a reminder, always. His presence always is going to be a reminder of, of Glenn and that he's not here because of this guy. Right. Right. That's always the hard part behind it because it's a hard sell. Carl's vision of a farmer, Negan, who actually is a farmer in real life, by the way. With Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Yes. Yes. He's going to be on the farm tending vegetables just like everybody else and friendly dialogue to Judith, who he has a soft spot for, which Carl knew. But that's a hard sell to somebody like Rick. Glenn was his moral compass. You know, not that Daryl didn't have morals, but obviously Glenn was like the heart. It's hard to necessarily get past that. If I put myself in Rick's position, that is a hard thing to kind of say, okay, I'm going to get past that. They're trying to basically say, you have to understand what Rick is going through. Right. There has to be these little reminders to kind of anchor Rick's anger. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not believable, but it's like you can easily get lost in the morality of it without really considering the impact that all of these events have had on him. So I just thought it was kind of poignant. I wish that they would do a little bit. And they did this with Lori. They had little moments where they brought Lori back throughout that season. Like, you know, when he was having the vision, seeing Lori uh, during when they were at the prison, when he was like, was hearing the phone ring and he was going. Yeah, hearing uh, the phone, seeing her. Seeing her and all that. I wish that they would they would have done a little bit of that, even sparingly. It doesn't have to beat you over the head. No pun intended. Oh, I feel like that may end up happening, though, by the way. Only because it's like a technique that's only been applied once. It's like almost ethereal. Yes. And it's not something you typically see in the show. Like we only saw it in this one moment of time. And I don't know if it's that they regretted using it in the first place. I don't think that it was, I don't think it was a mistake for them to use it. I didn't, I didn't think it was detrimental to the story. I thought it was fine. I think the phone thing kind of threw me off more. I'm like, okay, why does he keep going to answer the phone? That That was creepy. That was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) The, The visions of Lori though, like I got it. 
it. The the phone thing actually made more sense to me than seeing the Lori. Yeah, to that because that to me, first of all, it was the perfect thing to scare the crap out of you. It was, yeah, it was at creepy, that moment. Yeah. And if Rick was going crazy, that would be it. Mm-hmm. Seeing Lori, that's the, a visual hallucination. That you have to sell that. That's a bridge too far, mm-hmm. in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Alluding to a phone, a phone ringing and hearing a voice. I don't know about you, but I hear voices all the time. <laughs> the time. Okay. Well, obviously pirate voices. Uh, well, there you, you go. Know, Captain Kirk every now and again. I see. Understand. You have to brush your teeth before bed. Oh you know so. That sort of thing, but but like seeing seeing something. Seeing First of all, if you were seeing something, ooh. seeing the actual yeah. vision of the person. I mean, yeah, I I I get it, but I feel like I, I think that they've dragged this on for a while. That it would be a good reminder to kind of understand where Rick is coming from, what he's lost, and why he has this rage that he does. Because I think. We've gone through almost two full seasons of this. And I think a lot of people are sort of like, oh, God, Rick, calm down. You kind of forget. Well, because we're sick of it. <laughs> right. But I think a lot, but I think you lose sight of where he's coming from, you know. Yeah. So I think. It's easy. It's easy yeah, to lose sure. sight of it. So I think if you had a moment. Honestly, if they did something like that right now and Glenn came on screen, that would be like a punch in my stomach. Like, yeah. It really would. It would be like, it would throw me completely off. And I would be like, oh, God, I miss Glenn. You know, like Yes. You know, they need to do something to dislodge Rick from his present path, like to really just jar his presence. Just and it would be jarring for us as viewers too to kind of see Glenn again. Or even if it's like um I remember I want to say it was I think it was season 4, the oh, okay. episode where Rick bit the throat out of the claimer guy, Joe the claimer. Yeah. Savage Rick. Right. That episode was intermixed with flashbacks of Rick having a conversation with Herschel about what it means to be like a good father and a good person in this world and blah, blah, blah. Oh, right, right. This is after, you know, we hadn't seen him in a while. And it was kind of like a scene apart from what, from, it wasn't like a replay. No, no, no. It was just, just, it wasn't a replay. It was just sort of like a recollection of a conversation that he had with Herschel that we never really saw. But, you know, in this episode we did. And he's kind of rethinking about that in the light of having to now be this savage person, so different from the kind of person that he was discussing being with Herschel. And I think that that technique worked well there. And I think if they did something like that, where Rick is contemplating things and he's thinking back to a conversation with Abraham or a conversation with Glenn or something, us as a viewer, that would be jarring, first of all, to just see Glenn and Abraham again. That would be like, whoa, number one. And number two, I think it would reinforce where his mindset is coming from, where his heart is coming from, why he's approaching things the way that he is, because these were two very, very important people in his life that he lost in a very violent and tragic way right in front of his his eyes. So if they did something like that, I think that that would be very, very effective. You'd have to really be good at- It'd have to be well done, for sure. Yeah, oh, for sure. Otherwise, it's kind of like, first of all, bringing back something that you know, they've done already. And the second thing is really, it's kind of like using something out of left field to kind of bring the story back rather than something that's already on the board. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to me, that's almost like like a cheat, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, you're bringing something in to kind of get the story back on track that we would have never seen coming, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That like things that aren't aren't already on the playing field. So which is which some people do in order to save the story. I'm skeptical if that's going to happen only because it would be too jarring. It's like you're using this as kind of like a a reset button. Oh, you you only get to use these once every four seasons. (laughs) 
and now and now it's the eighth season so you can use it now so i don't know yeah no i hear you i mean it would be i'm not saying no but i'm saying that i'd be curious yeah and i'd be gritting, gritting my teeth to see how they execute this because you know it could turn off a lot of people too it could but i don't think but i it was all a dream what yeah <laughs> i think that they definitely though are kind of they're not too deterred about putting off people I, I, and I think, honestly, it started in season seven with that death of Glenn and Abraham. There's still been a lot of fallout for that. I think a lot of people checked out when that happened. I don't think everybody got on board with the modern narrative, the story narratives that, that were coming out. You know how, like, in the mid-2000s to late you know, late 2000s, people were, were all about the anti-hero, mm-hmm. and some people didn't really... A lot of people were became, you know, got on board, you know, with, like, the shield and the wire right, and all right, that. Right. But, you know, some people didn't, and that's fine. Yeah. But I think this is kind of like the new narrative where you have like Game of Thrones, you have The Walking Dead, right. and you and basically no character is safe. No. So if you've made it this far, obviously you're you're fan enough to know to to actually be able to bear with losing somebody you actually care about. Right. And so it's kind of tough. And I think yeah, sure, a lot of people fall to the wayside. But in my view, the story kind of makes up for it. A lot of people that they just can't handle it. It's not enough for them. But the people that do stick around, they they get to see some interesting stuff happen. Right. And I think that's why we started this podcast so late in the game. Yeah. Because we're at a point where we're where we've whittled ourselves down to some really hardcore solid fans yeah. that really aren't going to be deterred by regardless exactly by things that'll break our heart. Let's mm-hmm. put it that way. Yeah. When I saw the season seven premiere with what happened with Glenn and Abraham, between that and the election, I was a shell of my former self for like weeks. I mean, it was just not not a good place to be. It was uh, pretty, pretty dark, not good. Again, as a comic reader, I knew it was coming, but I wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Right. <laughs> at all. So which mirror is the dark, the dark side of the mirror right now? Oh, God. Which, which mirror is the black mirror? Oh my God. Where we are now, we're post the That's really, really like such a, like a privileged thing to say though. Like obviously where we are now is the better one, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I get you. But it, <laughs> An it's re- it's a little ridiculous to say because look we have food we can go to the store we could buy milk we, go buy- we, we, we <laughs> are privileged still. we are very privileged but it's fun to think about oh, gosh <laughs> oh man rick take me away <laughs> oh, lord i i really got into this episode because i thought it was very exciting the idea of we're going to see something different. There's going to be rebuilding for sure. That's going to happen for sure. That's happening. We've got keys to how that's going to happen. Here are the plans. Here's what you got to do. Once this war is over, you can rebuild and you can rebuild bigger and better than anything that you've had in the past. And what that means for the future, I don't know, but that's exciting. Okay. Infrastructure in this sort of climate, a post-apocalyptic world. How does that work? Right, government mechanics, government mechanics, like all of this sort of stuff. Like that's interesting to me. How do you move on? Right, it'll take it into a direction that that goes beyond survival and killing people. And I think that's maybe what Carl and now Michonne and and several other people are saying. There has to be something for after because you have to be prepared for when things are okay. Mm -hmm. Because when things are okay, you've got to kind of switch gears and be able to come back from where you are now. Right? How do we how do we sustain life? How do we you know live just just live that's all it's not just about rebuilding things mm-hmm. it's about rebuilding trust mm-hmm. and being able to rely on humanity on the whole to be able to keep it together right yeah. how are we how, how do we become a fruitful community 
Right, because that's where we are now. Think about how honest people are on the regular with each other. Not completely honest, but honest enough to follow traffic mm-hmm. signals. I think about this stuff a lot. Like honest enough to stay on the right side of the road when you're driving. Right. Think small things you take for granted that society just accepts as gospel. Like this is what you got to do. Yeah. They're living in a world where there are no real rules. Yep. When it comes to treating another person, like you gotta, you gotta do your homework. No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta do your chores. I don't feel like it today. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not gonna force you to, or I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> so you know, like, oh no, I'm really gonna kill you. That wasn't just an expression we used to use before no, the Walker apocalypse. So it's just, it's kind of fun to think about that. And then when you kind of hone in on the season, I feel like they they keep dropping little hints that like, yeah, okay, you're in a car, you're moving at. 80 miles an hour right now and I'm trying to tell you to tap the brakes because if you don't you're going to be walking into a situation where okay yeah you vanquished your enemies but now there's not enough people left over and of the people you have left they want to kind of kill each other right. maybe it's very possible yeah. and there's nobody trusts each other right so th- there has to be so- a society left over enough with enough strangers and enough bedfellows to actually build a kind of tr- you know a kind of different levels of trust between people yeah to be able to operate or it's societally, not just within your own community. Yep, absolutely. You know, it's like an exercise. And that I find interesting. You know, there's another comic book enemy that's supposed to be on the horizon. And to be honest, I don't even want them to touch it. Sorry, sorry, go. comic fans. I want them to take that particular story arc with this other enemy and give it to fear. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely possible. I mean, if Morgan can walk off one set sure. and walk onto another, yeah. oh my just, God, just, the worlds can definitely bleed through. Yeah, give that story arc over to them. And maybe it's more appropriate too. Maybe it's more appropriate too. But you don't even know because you haven't. St- have you started watching no, it yet? I have to do a blitz. I know. I know. Because you know they're gonna go straight I into know, it. No, I know. Oh, Carol, this is bad. No, I know. But I have time. I have like literally three weeks. <laughs> I have three weeks. Literally three weeks. I'm keeping this in the show. Oh my god. I'm worried. Here. I know. That's fine. It's on record. Like, okay, so I, know. I could just imagine you're going to look like a walker by the time you binge watch oh it. <laughs> you finish binge watching I it. I know. I'm going to have to like make a little timetable for myself and say like, okay, if I devote two episodes per this, you know, so I can make sure that I cover, you know, everything. I don't think that their seasons are as long as The Walking Dead, though. No, no. no. Especially when it but started. It's, but it's all so heavy. <laughs> It's really, you like you. It's like, can you imagine binge watching The Walking Dead? At first, I, I, I could did. because I did. I did too. I'll be fair. To be fair, I did too. But I couldn't. I couldn't. I don't know if I could do that for like the last two or three seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just too, too much. I agree. When I first got into The Walking Dead, it was like a Netflix binge watch. Like I think that we started watching it live at season maybe five. close to season five. It sounds maybe, like because I think I think five. you said you started catching up by season four. Yeah. When I, they were in season it might have been season five yeah beforehand we basically did like a blitz and there were definitely some episodes that i remember like oh wow oof, it was intense but do they even compare to like these last few seasons if i think about those first seasons i guess like one through four i think that they were pretty intense and pretty deep because if i think about the the episodes that kind of were like <laughs> i feel like i can combine i can compare i can uh, describe them as like oh that's all i can say <laughs> this is my every episode gets a different I, honestly um... i have a very good vocabulary i promise but <laughs> it's it's very extensive but oh, and this episode was, ooh. I'm like, oh, ooh. <laughs> and that episode was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, 
I think that the pilot was was great. If I think about like season two, I know a lot of people get kind of like, oh, the time on the farm. But honestly, it's so boring. I didn't think so. You, there, was a, didn't there was a lot that happened in season two. The whole the whole relationship between Rick and Shane that that came to a head when Rick killed Shane. That all happened in season two. That was intense. Yep. Carl was shot through a deer. <laughs> also in season two, we found out that Lori was pregnant. Sophia. Daryl had lines at the time. That was all very intense. Season three, very intense. Everything with the governor, his relationship with Andrea, even the governor's relationship with Merle versus Merle's relationship with uh, Daryl. There was a lot of interesting things going on, a lot of depth in terms of the relationship between the characters themselves. That was very interesting. And also some episodes that were just very emotionally hard to watch. I know that you remember the episode, but the I think the episode was called The Grove mm-hmm. with um, Lizzie, you yeah. know, and the, the two little girls and Carol eventually, you know, has to put her down. That was a very intense episode. That was... Yeah, and then immediately afterward, Tyrese's drama, that whole thing. Yeah. I think Tyrese so, like, had... Like the very next episode. I think Tyrese got a beautiful send-off. If I think about, yeah. like, characters when they passed away, they did a very... Like a poetic one, very, yeah, sure. Very poetic send-off for Tyrese. So I think that they've had a lot of episodes that really had a lot of depth to them, for sure. When you really take a look at this, this the show, you realize that every season, they're picking up another set of baggage. And then the next season, they're picking up another set of baggage. Mm-hmm. And then all the way leading up to, up to season eight, and this the baggage is really heavy. Mm-hmm. Even the most tame episodes in season seven or eight, where something will happen and it's something that we've seen, be- well, I mean, not that we've seen before, but it's something that we're kind of accustomed to, like bad things happening. Mm-hmm. But I think I feel it much more, that much more because you have all this baggage that, that was carried throughout these seasons. And it's kind of like, how much more of these, this, that you, can they take? And you see it on their faces too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's weathered into their faces, into their look. You know, the people's looks have changed throughout the yeah. entire series. Yeah, so for sure. they've done a really good job of letting us feel that emotional weight mm-hmm. and that, I'm not saying growth, but the depths at which they've suffered. Yeah. So and maybe that's just me. Maybe that's why. I feel like the last two seasons were really just first of all they were very intense yes I will say that much whether it's it's intensity of the acting or really just action-filled intense suspenseful kind of I mean think about season seven and and how that started off and 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 then also you know having this season with the several action-packed episodes you know the four the first four episodes being just full of action action, and heart attacks left and right and just not knowing what's going to happen next knowing that they've made a lot of these people have made it here from the first season or yeah. whatnot from the beginning seasons you really are invested in ha- their survival yeah i guess it's just me i just you just feel it that much more and i think their acting helps and i think their techniques help and and that they carry the continuity of that suffering throughout the seasons yeah it, it just it's just that much more yeah i think so i'm very excited to see what these next episodes will bring i'll be very curious to see how they wrap this up I don't know what episode 16 looks like yet. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's really unclear. It's hazy. No. And I mean, I think that they had like a recent interview with Norman Reedus. And I think that... He, oh, that, yeah. The, the link that they released today, right? That it's going to be a very satisfying finale. And hmm. it's very vague satisfying, though. That's not an, necessarily the most descriptive word. So I don't know. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it will be satisfying. I definitely don't think it would be a cliffhanger cliffhanger whatsoever i think they definitely there will be a resolution for sure what i just kind of wonder is 
I want to know if we're going to see a glimpse of the future come episode 16. Are we already going to jump into the future or is that going to have to wait until season nine? I don't know. I think maybe the end of the season, maybe the last episode. I feel like it. I feel like we. I don't think we're going to see a jump. Yeah, or maybe we we'll go back and forth. I, maybe we'll get a maybe little the, hints or something. Hey, you know what? I just thought of now that we're talking about the future. When do you think we're going to see the "May My Mercy Prevail Over My Wrath" scene? That is a good question. I okay. We're the next episode is episode thirteen. Or like right after he sees Laurie's ghost again. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I was trying to connect that before, but I was just kind of no oh, wait because I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say episode fifteen. Ooh, wow, that late. Yeah, huh? I think it's gonna be fifteen. Ooh, I right, think so. Right. So definitely not the next one. I think not fourteen because I think hmm. that that'll be cool. I'll admit, I, I, because they yeah. they would have held on to that for, for till the very end. Yeah, I th- which I think is some. I think I might have said that. Yeah, like that it'll be like the the last or next to last last episode where we'll actually find out in my mind what that means. In my mind, I think that that's going to be his third and final altercation with Negan. And we see yeah. this is the outcome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in my- I guess we're all on the same page from the beginning. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's just a matter of- You, you kind of reminded me of that. Though. It's just a matter <laughs> of when that would happen. Like, I don't know yeah. when necessarily that happened. I I say episode 15 because I think that they're going to take all the way to episode 15 to wrap this thing up. And then I'm hopeful that in 16, maybe we don't necessarily do the full time jump, but maybe we get a little bit of a suggestion of what's to come in the future even if it's the last 10 minutes 10 minutes of the show honestly just something to kind of wet the palette for what's to come even if they don't go fully into it just something before this season even came out and these are the comic-con trailers all that anybody talked about was old man rick that's all that everybody Mm -hmm. talked about for all the action scenes or whatever, any everything people talked about was like, old man Rick, we're going to do a time jump. We're going to see the future. It's going to happen just like it happens in the comics or whatever. And then uh-huh. it sort of was like, wait, but this was more of Carl's vision of what he would like to see. doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, but it's that this is Carl's idyllic vision for the future. Does it make me a bad person to take glee in the fact that it may never happen? That future? Like, just to, sti- just to stick it to gonna- some comic books fans oh, the, the, uh, the- in a weird way. I like, get like a weird set of satisfaction from that. The old man. Just Rick from thing. hearing the, the fanboys. Yeah. Yeah. Fanboys can be yeah. annoying. I will say. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not a bad person. No, no, no. That. You're not a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I mean, for me at first, I was when it was kind of shown like, oh, this is Carl's vision for the future. I mean, you saw my initial reaction right away. I was like, it was a goddamn dream. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. pissed because I was like, please don't tell me you've been trolling this thing. And it's like been a dream like the whole time. But I think that they were smart and kind of said this is Carl's vision of the future doesn't mean that it's going to happen doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. I don't think that Carl's vision of the future is going to happen at all. I think we'll get a version. <laughs> I, I, do t- I don't either. No. But we'll get a version of it. It's not going to be all right. peaches and cream like that, but right. we'll rebuild to some extent. Actually, speaking of that, like before we move on to like sneak peeks and mm-hmm. whatnot, but I did want to kind of touch on one more thing, and that's Dwight. Mm. Something that we really didn't focus on, yes. and I think we should. Yes. And that's... Um, Sherry's out there, man. Yeah. <laughs> The, the truth is out Sherry's there. Sherry's out there with Laura. <laughs> Sherry's <laughs> out there with Laura. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about yeah. that. But yeah. And he but and it's, Heath it's, is probably over with the government, for all we know. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still He waiting. was another plant like Jada. I'm still waiting for Heath. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that day that Heath Heath shows up. Yeah, yeah, I've been playing you guys the whole time. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's 
Yeah. But like with Dwight, it's in the beginning of the episode, you see him again pull out the, the wedding rings, yes. the wedding bands and rings yes. uh, from his pack of cigarettes. Yes. And just to fast forward a little bit with the confrontation with Simon, mm-hmm. where he's there, there, he, Simon's trying to basically, he's deflating, he's, he needs to confide in somebody. Look, I'm so giddy about talking to somebody about yeah. this because I really need to get this off my Pretty chest. Much. And I um, get it. I mean, he sees the perfect, perfect person to talk sure. to. Both sides of the iron, all that, mm-hmm. right? But then you get to the point where, like, Dwight's kind of like just, okay, whatever, dude, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they're looking for Negan, and then a lot of things happen in a couple moments, because when Simon is suggesting that they should just move on, we, we may f- face a distasteful moment. Right. The naked walker pops out from around the corner. That was He's such, smoking. That was such a, a what is it, anticlimactic moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, But I think it has more significance than you might think. Because the naked walker? Yeah, because he's he pulls out his last cigarette from that pack, okay. which I think has some sort of significance. Mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. it's like the only t- I think the only two f- few times that you see him smoke okay. are when he bums cigarettes from his wife mm-hmm. at the cabin where he sees her letter, and his last cigarette is here. Like he's been holding on to these cigarettes mm-hmm. for key moments and key emotional moments, mm-hmm. and I think he had one there. I think maybe he, when he, he sees the naked walker, yeah. he, he, it reminds him of Sherry, and he freaks out, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I have to keep." I have to remember what I'm doing this for. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes along with Simon, not knowing the true nature of of his maniacalness. Right. And then flicks the cigarette into the thing and blows up. And then he's making it you're signifying that he's making his decision, right? Yes, exactly. But then you see later on when they give up on him, they go back to the saviors that are there, you know, Gary and all that. Simon reveals that he is crazy yeah and and dwight gives a very obvious look that he's like oh, oh what crap what did, did I, I exactly what did i do i should have kept negan in charge this is retarded like, this is way worse <laughs> this is a hundred times worse yeah so as far as dwight's position here he did things but at the same time i do feel kind of terrible for him he's been through a lot yes that he that he visibly doesn't show no which I think a lot of people don't get. They won't sympathize with because of Denise, obviously. Right. But but he's paid for what he did to Dwight. I think so. By a lot. I think so. You know, his, his wife stolen from him. His face burned. Yeah, he's, he's you know, suffered. So he submits. Yeah. And he's he's been kind of like Negan's dog. Yeah. The whole time. Pretty much. So what do you think is going to happen with him from here on in? What do you think is, is the, how, the, how this is going to play out? Is he going to look out for himself? Well, first off, I don't think that he followed Negan's orders. So I don't think that his weapons are coated with Walker guts. So I th- oh, interesting. So okay. I think he doesn't have his crossbow he, either. By the he way, he did have it though. There was a scene where he did have it because I because oh, okay. I looked I specifically it. and I was like, mm, his stuff looks mighty clean to me. Oh, so, oh, okay. And I say that because not to do any spoilers, but there is a moment where Dwight has to make a decision in the comics, and because he's with Negan and Negan is pressuring him that he has to act and he can't give up his his act. He can't let up that he's a double agent, really. So he, he has to follow through. He has to something. follow through. But fortunately, since he didn't coat his weapon, he doesn't necessarily do any harm to anybody. Even mm. if he's shooting at them because he has to comply, he's not really harming them. Do you think that's going to actually come to fruition now because of the way things are going down? I don't know how it's necessarily going to happen. I don't know how they're going to do it because I don't, because Negan's not in the picture. Negan's with Jace. Right. And he won't be till 14. Right. I don't think he's going to be in next week's, in this weekend's episode. But you know what? It, it's, it might still come into play, but 
maybe with Simon being the the sociopath that's sort of oh. like, come on, Dwight, you know, like we got to do this or what? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just. Yeah, but they're shooting to kill now. I know, but now that's, it's like shooting to kill. Yeah. So I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know how that's necessarily going to pan out. I think he's still very much on team Rick for sure. I think he would have considered Simon's proposal though, because what Simon was kind of proposing to him was like, hey, let's cut our losses. Say, you know, oh yeah, makes sense, and, and right? Like, to him. And like, let's just move on, you know? And that's why he- Past discomfort, And that's right? why he was like, just move on. And he's like, just move on. And in that case- I, I can do that? I, I think he would have been cool with that because obviously that leaves Rick and his group safe. Right. Because they're just basically cutting their losses and saying, screw this, let's, let's keep it moving. And keep his- head lieutenant kind of role in place and just sort of- and maybe it won't be like it was with Negan right I, maybe that was the hope right. you know because Simon was talking up a pretty was, you know build relationships yeah. with other communities sure. right yeah he was talking about that stuff so he sold it he definitely talked sold a it. good game son he talked a very good game but you know obviously then seeing the reality of what Simon is really wanting to do then it's sort of like oh man this is way worse you know what I'm thinking by the way what what if the biggest, one of the biggest keystones to kind of tie this in a bow is that Dwight takes out Simon? It would be interesting. It's possible. For me, that would actually seal the deal with a lot of the people in Auk, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. just having that threat eliminated, mm. I think, I think would maybe do something. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we would fare with the other saviors, because mm-hmm. once you take him out, I mean, they're going to go after him. Yeah. We have a feeling that Dwight is going to ha- going to be around afterwards to confront Sherry when she eventually comes back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I don't know how to get out af- get out of that situation, but I do think it would be kind of poetic. I think because so. then it would it would mean that Dwight isn't helpless anymore, which he's been he's been held down under boot for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And just like Sherry kind of making a stand, I think it would be beneficial for him as a person to kind of take some sort of stand to make some sort of decision to carve his own path yeah because he's just falling into situations at the moment mm-hmm. even with siding with rick he takes the path of least resistance he is like a double agent he's just working behind the scenes yeah so it would be very interesting to see him grow as a character it would and i think they with will this act. and i think that they will i think that they will but that leads us to sneak peeks <sighs> sneak peeks yeah. So we'll start with the mini ones. I remember Phil's other name, which was Al, by the way. Is it Al? Is that what his yep. name is? Yeah. Dean screamed out Al, something like that. Don't tell her Al or oh, whatever, okay. something like that. So Phil Al <laughs> is digging up some graves with some obvious dead bodies at the back of a pickup truck. So do you feel that Maggie like executed some more saviors? I was just going to turn gonna turn it to you. <laughs> I think maybe she made maybe one or two hard decisions. Maybe it's afterwards. Maybe it's after the confrontation where they kill several of them and the saviors realize they're not going to be able to expunge them as they thought they would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe they flee. Maybe that will give Dwight an opening because if the saviors have don't have as much confidence in Simon, it gives Dwight the opportunity to take him out and tell them the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this could be kind of one of those misdirection things like, oh, we think this is happening sure. under Maggie's rule but mm-hmm. and we're worried about Maggie, but I, I, I feel more confident that she's not executed them. Okay. And that this is kind of the after, at least the first confrontation is done. Right, right. That's my feeling. I don't know. Shit from shit. But 
<laughs> that's yeah. what I'm going to go with. I'm going to think better of everybody. Okay. I hear you. But what, what do you think, though? Are you, I know you're worried, but... I don't know. I, I can't imagine who else they'd be burying. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely saviors. But are the captive ones, right? Or the, the ones they... Because it looked like it was outside the walls, It did by look the way. like they were outside the walls, so that's what I'm not sure of. Yeah. Which doesn't really say anything. I mean, they're outside the walls, which means that they're not currently in a confrontation, which means they executed them early. That's why it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I right? don't know. Like, right away, my first assumption, it's that, okay, they executed more. Yeah, but you're right. It's like, it doesn't necessarily jive. So I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not too sure then who they would be burying. Unless that's like the af- aftermath, because you see that the battle happens at night. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. because it's like daytime, then maybe that's just... Maybe that's just and the, and that the fact that they can get outside the walls at that time means that the saviors are are at least not there, right? And so we either have to surmise that she executed some prisoners pretty early on, which seems cold and not kind of currently in the direction that she's currently in, right? Right, because she's kind of on a high right now of doing good things. So I don't know if she's going to switch all, all all the way back to being. Not heartless, but pragmatic or mm-hmm. a rigid leader. I don't think they're going to snap her back to that position quite so quickly. Right. So, which is why I lead to that conclusion that these are aftermath deaths. Like, okay, there are saviors on the field. Let's just bury them. Yeah. I don't know. They'll maybe fertilize our crops oh, or something. <laughs> so, that I mean, to leave them out there would be kind of like, okay, this is not a good look. <laughs> right. Bury them. Yeah, the the only real scene of note is the Talking Dead preview scene. And it's kind of exciting. You see Maggie reach out to Negan on the walkie. Yes. And she talks to Simon, right? Yeah, this is Simon. She's talking to Simon. She mentions right away that she has 38 saviors and she's ready to put them down. Yeah. You know, if you if you move. And it makes around. me wonder what 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 do you think Simon is is just not going to care? Not going to care at all. Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah, especially because of the fact that I just feel like in general, these saviors are, don't necessarily care. I say that because it, I think it was the episode with Ezekiel, the Ezekiel episode where he lost all his men at the kingdom. And Carol was kind of doing her stealth thing right. while Ezekiel and Jerry were fighting off those now deceased kingdom knights, now walkers. Right. And I think Carol had a savior in her custody or whatever. And one of those saviors mentioned something like, sorry, like light him up. I don't think Simon's going to negotiate with Maggie. Well, I think the grunts are different than Simon, but I still think the end result, no matter how Simon's going to pretend to be either diplomatic or Mm -hmm. balls on the table like Negan, Mm -hmm. I think the end result is still going to be his decisions costing those 38 people that's a lot of people yeah. their lives yeah absolutely which actually opens the door to really being able to ask the question of whether or not she actually executes some of those people it, that it forces her hand and maybe just maybe the reason why simon goes ahead and proceeds anyway is that he feels like maggie isn't that cold-blooded even though they killed dean mm-hmm. maybe it was one to send a message and that's it mm-hmm. she's not she's gonna be like negan oh she's gonna be like negan just trying to send a message but it's really not gonna amount to anything yeah but jared's gotta go though the guy who killed ben yeah we kind of hope right he's got to <laughs> It has to happen. At at least him, right? It has to. But then it says a lot about what Maggie's forced to have to do or what what most people would feel she'd have to do. And that's starting to execute people. For all intents and purposes, let's say innocent people. Mm-hmm. Unarmed. Or repeat, right, repeat, yeah, unarmed, repeating past mistakes of just executing, you know, a threat that isn't actively trying to get you at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think maybe she'll kill Jared. 
that would be formula. I but this it, show doesn't follow formula all that well. It may not be him. It, it, I mean, it may not be her. It may be Henry, the little boy, because a lot Ooh. of the clips that they show for this weekend's um, episode has a lot of scenes with Henry. Like yeah, gearing up. Like right. yeah, like a lot of stills involving him. So I gotta feel like that means something. Hmm. Yeah. In my mind, and they do focus on Morgan and Carol as well. They do. Yep. So there may be a little struggle there, right? Yeah. Between Henry and maybe Maggie. Possibly. Oof. It's possible. Oh man, what if Jared reveals to Henry because he's been asking those questions yes. that he killed mm-hmm. yeah, Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Wow, that could be a pretty screwed up thing to do for the show because we're tormenting this little kid. First of all, Morgan and, and Carol lied to him. Yeah. And then Jared reveals the truth. Jared's going to get it. Maybe he's going to use it as a way, a means to escape. Who knows? But that that could be something that's pretty, That I mean, they could probably handle it in, in several small scenes, yeah. but it could be a pretty big deal that, that you know, a little a little mega drama, you know, set within like a, a larger drama of this whole confrontation. That could be pretty interesting. I think they'll go there. Oh, wow. I think that's so. pretty exciting to me. Yeah. I think they'll do it. Because who knows where Henry will go at that point. I'm just saying. Wow. I guess uh, with that, that spooky revelation or idea, <laughs> I, I guess we'll see you in episode spooky 13. Oh, man. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be... Yep, we're reaching the hump. It's going to be a tall order to basically beat this episode, I will say, but I'm very, very excited to see what uh, yeah. what happens this weekend. Same here. And with that, everybody, we'll catch you on the flip next week. See you next time.